with the directors of Barbette plus Fontaine, uh, John Carlos and Zach are the filmmakers. A 15 minute documentary film from the LGBTQ plus film festival. Really interesting film. I was taken by it right away. I'm so curious about the subject and you guys kind of making this film together. When did you kind of get together and decide, okay, this is the uh, let's make a film about these two drag icons and in, in, in uh, this area that you live in. Yeah, so the story actually came to me from a viewer. I'm the morning anchor for CBS Austin in Austin. And um, about a year and a half ago, a viewer reached out to me and said, I know you love to do history pieces. There's this exhibit about 45 minutes outside of Austin. Would you be interested in covering it? It's about a drag performer from 100 years ago. And so I did the story. It aired on CBS Austin. And a couple of weeks after that, I had a dream that Barbette appeared to me and, you know, and I was at a performance of his and he approached me and said, tell my story. So after that moment, I was like, OK, well, I clearly have to do something with this beyond the new story that I did. And so that's when I approached Zach, who is my executive producer on The Morning Show. And I had no idea that Zach had a background in filmmaking. And so this was like the perfect segue. Right, Zach? Yeah, it just felt like uh, the stars really aligned with this whole situation. And um, shortly before uh, we even got started on the documentary, me and um, JC were working on um, another project before that, um, kind of focused on everything that's going on right now at the uh, state, uh, the Texas Capitol, um, with a lot of the legislation that we're seeing uh, targeting LGBTQIA plus individuals, uh, but specifically Texans. Um, so coming off of this project that we just did, where um, where we featured Barbette as well, we knew we needed to do something um, to help really drive this point home. So is this separate from your day jobs? Like, is this a separate independent project? Correct. Yeah. So I'm assuming you guys are busy with your jobs. Like, how did you find uh, the time and uh, the energy to do this? So um, John Carlos and I both work the overnight shift. We uh, are on the um, morning news show for CBS Austin. Um, so I go in at midnight. JC usually goes in about four in the morning. We do our eight hour shift. And then as soon as we were getting off of work, we were um, basically continuing our day and uh, working on the documentary from there. Yeah, probably the longest day was the first day of the shoot at the museum. We got off of work around 9 a.m. and the day continued until 6 p.m. We did a full shoot at the museum. And so that's probably the longest day I've ever worked. <laughs> You know, it's, it, so it truly was a passion project. Did you have, did you let your bosses or the higher, higher ups know that you guys were doing this, this film? Um, we kind of kept it close to our chest just because we didn't want any sort of, um, I feel like there would be obvious concern that, uh, you know, Zach. That, and that's sort of my follow up. Yeah. Yeah. You might be, yeah, we might be spreading ourselves too thin, but now we, we got, we got it done in the time frame that we were shooting for. Yeah. And our bosses are really just excited for us. They're just like, uh, just happy that, I mean, at the end of the day, it's storytelling. That's what we do on a daily basis. And so this is just an extension of what we've already done for the station. So um, yeah, the station manager, our news director, they're just really happy for us. And generally when you're doing the news stories, it's usually around like a minute, two minute, two minute pieces that you guys Correct. do. And this is your this is obviously longer than than two minutes. But so tell me about because I'm sure you, there's a structure in terms of you're doing your news stories in terms of like beginning, middle, then kind of introducing. Tell me about the structure of doing this film. Did you guys know it was going to be 15 minutes? Did you kind of like have a game plan to write a script out what you wanted to do? I'm just curious about your process. 
Um, so it's it's kind of interesting that you you bring that up because JC and I, I wouldn't call it a struggle, but we um, definitely did have to switch our um, mindsets going into this project. Um, you know, working news uh, nine to five or, you know, Monday through Friday, uh, we do get into a certain style of thinking, a certain style of uh, work habits um, that, you know, we actually did kind of initially bring into this project um, when we shot everything, when we uh, got all of our elements together. Um, it was a little bit uh, overwhelming, just the amount of content that we had that we had to sift through. So that's where we spent a good couple of weeks of time, you know, sifting through everything, putting the script together. And um, when we finally had that final script, me and JC looked at each other and we were like, yeah, this is this is good to go. Here it is. And then we handed it over to our editor. And, um, you know, he spent uh, hard work and time putting it together for us. And he uh, gave it back to us exactly the way that we asked. And it was not quite what we had envisioned. Yeah, definitely. Thomas Swafford, who is our director of cinematography and our editor and a co-producer on the project, he basically said, hey, guys, this is totally different from a news story. Let's let's really pull a thread here and tell a story. And so with Thomas's help, we were able to get it down to a, a 15 under 15 minutes and really tell a story of these two drag performers, one from 100 years ago, one that's active now, both from the Texas area, central Texas area, and how their two lines two lives combined together, in, intertwined together. Um, and the other thing too, that we were trying to walk a fine line is, you know, obviously touching on the drag bands that was happening here in Texas, but not going so into it because I feel like that would be the news angle. And it's just, we just wanted to tell a story and we mm -hmm. wanted that to be in the background as you watch the film, you know, Cynthia and Barbara are different, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah it's there's like it's just in the air, but you don't want to hammer it home to the audience, right? Exactly. And there was also just so much information that, you know, me and JC thought are just like all, all the tiny details were just super interesting, whether it be about Barbette's life or it was about Cynthia Lee Fontaine's life or just even uh, how uh, JC mentioned the, uh, the laws in general. We, we were kind of getting stuck in the weeds with these details. And mm -hmm. it, it took Thomas to pull us out of it and say, hey, guys. We need to we need to restructure a little bit. Yeah, it's almost like you gotta you gotta choose a lane because it's only it's a short film, it's 14 minutes. So you gotta like you can't you can't spread it out and then do all these subplots. You just have to pick one kind of main kind of arc, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. That Definitely. that initial that initial edit came out to about 30 minutes. So yeah. we had to we had to cut down drastically. Did you ever think about making a bigger, like a uh, a long bigger version of this film, like a like a feature or like a longer short? We have uh, talked about it, but it's just we just felt like in the time period that we wanted to pump this out because, you know, during the shoot, Texas lawmakers were trying to pass these drag bans. So that's why Cynthia is so emotional reading that letter to Barbette at the cemetery is because this was all very, you know, happening fresh. in the moment. And so mm -hmm. we wanted to get it out as quickly as possible. And so we thought about, you know, longer pieces, but this just seemed like the right fit. And possibly down the road, I know I'm trying to write a book on Barbette. There is no comprehensive book on this, you know, hero from Texas. Texas's first drag queen is what I like to dub him. Mm -hmm. And so there's a possibility of that 
you know, maybe maybe doing that medium is in a book. Um, and then maybe down the road, we would love to do a feature film. I mean, that would be amazing. Because yeah, uh, you, you have the historical kind of story, I guess that's what you're writing in your book. And then you have the present time, you know, template of where we are now and, you know, the progress. But then there's that obviously the resistance to that progress. Right. In in a very polarizing state <laughs> that you happen to live in, I guess. Right. So there's a huge there's lots of stories that you can pull threads on, I guess. Right. And, that, and, and that's what we wanted to drive home with. Barbette's story in particular is that take a look at this drag queen from a hundred years ago. They're embedded in the fabric of Texas history. So for these politicians to be coming out and, you know, trying to um, make their insinuations and uh, their claims um, to, you know, drag being somewhat of a newer concept or something that's being uh, is a, is a novel idea. It, it's not, it's been, it's, been well a part of texas history for the last at least 100 years yeah they took in the fears of of people who are who don't understand this world and they they're scared of this world so then they they know how to how to how to basically push those those buttons to get to get laws passed that's sort of my that's my editorial of what they yeah. do and definitely during the debates at the capitol here in texas about the drag ban you started to see a lot of these drag performers locally here start digging into their history, their drag history. And so it was really cool in the moment seeing these dra drag performers here in Austin and Texas discover Barbette and say, hey, here's an example of a person who's been doing this for 100 years you know, prior, who was a successful headliner, traveled the globe, was at the Moulin Rouge. I mean, it was just, I think, really, it's, so it's nice for us to reintroduce Barbette to the community and to the world, hopefully. There's a movie here, right? Like not even documentary. There is like a Hollywood movie in this story for sure. So, oh, most definitely. Yeah. So tell me about because big a big part of your film is the stock is all the the footage that you got, all the all the images. Where did you guys get all all those great photos and uh, imagery? We worked with the Williamson Museum, which is the exhibit that I profiled for the CBS Austin piece that sort of originated all this. And they had a lot of content that they had pulled from their own archives. And also, um, they had also asked the Bibliothèque Nationale in Paris to contribute some of their images too. And so I actually went to Paris to go do some of my own research. So some of it comes from uh, the National Library there in, in Paris. Some of it comes from the Williamson Museum. Um, just really cool. I love digging into archives. So be able to find some of those images of Barbette and what a circus act would be like back in the early 1900s um, was really cool. And so then Zach, who's the filmmaker background was like, we need to figure out a way to animate these images to make them feel more real. And so Zach was definitely the force behind that. And Thomas, our editor helped us put that together because it really brings it to life. Yeah. Cause you, cause you're going back. It's, so how do you like from a structural standpoint, you get you grab all that footage and then do you have to get permission from from the like who owns this material? I'm just so curious about like how you how you you're able to put in your film. Yeah, some of it uh, we did have to purchase the rights to air some of the images. Um, and we did run into a couple of issues with these other photos that we really wanted to show. But the estate of the photographer they came from just at the end of the day, didn't want to play ball with us which is kind of silly because it's like these images are so old, like 
unless someone comes to you directly and asks for them, it's, you know, they're not really going to get circulated and they are circulated online, but they're just not credited. So <laughs> to the right people. So there we were trying to like beg them, please let us use it. We'll pay you. You know, obviously we don't have a big budget, um, but we were able to play ball with at least one estate. And so we were able to use those images. Um, but the rest of it came from the Williamson Museum or the National Museum in Paris um, that we were able to use them because a lot of them are 100 years old. So they've lost the copyright, at least um, for some of the images that we used. There was so tell even, me about um, working with, uh, I'm just curious, tell me about working with Cynthia. Uh, because there's a lot of fun little staging that you guys did and like kind of the sh showcasing and then you went to the to the cemetery which i'm i'm assuming that you did for the film like tell me about like kind of like talking with uh with them and, and, and kind of like kind of what what they're interested in the film and, and, and having them be a part of this film um working with cynthia was amazing so she is a, a rupaul's drag race girl um she was part of season eight and season nine um, she was amazing, such a huge personality, such a huge heart. Um, but really, uh, what, um, drew us to Cynthia besides her obvious Texas connections is just those parallels in her story that we're able to, um, help flesh out Barbette's life through. Yeah, definitely. Cynthia, I actually met her a year ago, February of last year, we were at a same event. She was just recovering from her cancer diagnosis and her hip surgery. And so uh, when Zach and I talked about putting this together, Cynthia was the first person to pop in my mind. And I reached out to her uh, over the summer last year and I just told her, hey, I'm working on this project, a film documentary about Barbette. We're trying to find a local drag queen that can help us tell the story. And immediately Cynthia's like, I know exactly who Barbette is. She's like, I'm just a drag queen that loves history. And so... And um, by doing some pre-production meetings with her, we were able to realize, OK, they have a lot of things in common. And that just even made it even better, you know, that they have these touch points. Uh, and then Catherine, the curator, I love the line that Catherine says, I see Cynthia as a spiritual successor of Barbette at the end. Once she said that, I looked at Zach and I was like, that's going in. Because it really allows us to, to, you know, but Catherine being an expert on Barbette really sort of, set, you know, passes the baton to Cynthia and gives us that perfect segue into the, into the cemetery. Um, it was just so much fun. I mean, there were so many times Zach and I looked at each other during those shoot dates and we were like, that's it. <laughs> that's the soundbite. You you bookend the film where you kind of start where you end in the, in the film. I love the, the powder on the shoulder or the powder on the face kind of sequences was that just was that something that something you guys wanted to do kind of like to coincide with the with the black and white image that you had in the past when then or did you guys was Correct. that something that just happened on set that you just went with no so that was definitely a planned um a sequence that we wanted in within the documentary we really how you mentioned bookend um the whole uh the whole film um and we kind of wanted to frame it in a way that was like is that Barbette? Is that not Barbette? So you see, you see, you know, a Barbette-esque person at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And at the yeah. end, it's the, we end with the reveal of, oh, that was Cynthia Lee Fontaine all along. Also alluding to what JC was just saying with uh, the spiritual su successor, we were putting more of a, um, of a physical manifestation of that. Yeah. And then you guys start with like a bird's eye view shot 
like uh and then you have another one where she's crossing the street and i guess in the middle of part of the film why did i'm just so curious about that choice your editor your choice to kind of start the film with that kind of perspective we just i thought it was just really cinematic um the reason we wanted to pull the drone in and the reason we shot at the beginning is because we wanted to show people that this uh the museum is in georgetown texas which is 45 minutes north of austin so we're talking about this small little museum and we weren't able to get into it in the film, but this museum has even struggled with having this exhibit up about Barbette. They've had people within the community of Georgetown say, this is not representative of who we are here in Georgetown. Barbette is not who we want to highlight, but yet you still have Catherine and the museum standing up and saying, no, this is who, this is an important person here in Texas and in Georgetown and Round Rock. And so even the museum itself has its own little battle that we weren't even able to touch on. We we got sound bites for it, but we just weren't able to throw it in. So we thought maybe showing the visual of like, here's this little Texas square. You know, we were hoping people would understand that this is a small little town that's highlighting this unique character of Barbette. And, and um, just just also um, that pop of color to Cynthia wearing the um, purple and she's like uh, this it's a little speck amid among the um, you know yeah. background of Georgetown, but it's a speck that you notice. It's 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 some it's uh yeah yeah we 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 did try to get very creative in our in our shots and just also the way that we were telling the story because um, our resources we didn't I mean our locations um, this was all either coming out from the back of our pockets, the top of our minds, or, you know, some connections that we had. So we really tried to make things work as with what, as, and get as creative as possible with what we had. 100%. Yeah. You mentioned purple. Purple is a, is a big thematic of the, of the film, right? Even was that, that there's like a purple room that you kind of interview her in, right? She's wearing purple and then purple is all over the, in the background. It was like, yeah. it was like a purple, <laughs> purple aesthetic. That's something that I actually I didn't even notice until you mentioned it. But yeah, Thomas lit her lit the room purple and pink. And because at the end of the day, that museum is so small and it's just there's not much color to it. So I know Thomas, our editor and director of cinematography, really wanted to bring color into those spaces that just didn't have much to it. So you're right. I think the purple and the pink really speak to Barbette and to Cynthia for sure. It's, and it's a contrast to all the black and white images that you have in the film, right? Where like yeah. the stock, like the footages that you guys have. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like, it's, it's like, then you have them at uh, her at the state Capitol and she's performing. <laughs> she like, I guess that was that, I don't know if that she, she like, it was something that she just did like spontaneously, but it was like, it was like some really, some really great imagery you guys got there. I'm, I'm assuming that was that planned as well, that she was going to perform in front of everybody. So that was actually um, a scheduled protest that was yeah, happening there yeah. in front of the in front of the Capitol um, during the legislative cycle as all of these different bills were being debated and discussed. Um, so that was just one of the the many um, protests that we just uh, were uh, thankful enough to get footage from. Yeah, we did. Yeah, that was I love that. But I also wanted to touch on the cemetery. You mentioned it already. That was something that came after spending some time with Cynthia. We, the first day shoot was at the museum. The second day was at the salon where we did the homage look at the mirror. And then after those two shoots, Zach and I were like, we still don't have our emotional moment where we want to grab people. And so that's when 
all three of us, Thomas, Zach, and I were like, we went up to Cynthia and said, we really want to take you to the cemetery. Now that you've learned about Barbette, touch some of his clothes. And I want you to write a letter just basically speaking from the heart, you know, with all the stuff happening to the Capitol, your history, now the Barbette history that you know about. I want you to write that all in the letter. And that was a huge gift from Cynthia. She came prepared to deliver it. We, we shot it twice, one wide shot, one tight shot. She cried both times in both of them. Um, it was just the moment it happened. Zach wasn't able to be there with us for that shoot, but I texted him. And I, in the moment, I was like, Zach, this is this is it. This is what we've been wanting. And so, so thankful to Cynthia for taking the time to really think about what she was feeling in that letter that she wrote to Barbette. Yeah, it's all, but it's almost like a baton passing as well to the to the present. And like, it's like, oh my God, we still have to go through this part of my friend's bullshit <laughs> like of like getting rights like you know what i mean it's like and hopefully that when you watch this film 20 years from now which is like you got a great historical document that people are like yeah like thank god we don't have to deal with all this crap anymore that that this is all kind of like old issues right so because it's like it's so amazing that like what how how brave Barbette was. Like I said, that's why it's like, it could be a Hollywood movie. It's like a, it's almost too perfect because it's so timely about what we're doing now. Right. And there really hasn't been a great movie about this subject in Hollywood. Right. So. What's, what's interesting is that, you know, Barbette experienced her, her own obstacles uh, throughout her entire life, but there was never really anything documented to the point of like, um, you know, adversity experienced while in the States. So it's it's interesting that she um, had her own set of uh, obstacles that she had to get over. But now, um, you know, she, she didn't face that, uh, you know, a lot of the controversy that we're seeing nowadays, and she was able to make it all the way to the Moulin Rouge. Now we look at Cynthia Lee Fontaine, who's fighting for the rights of, you know, we're just keeping rights yeah. currently. And... Um, you know, still trying to to be successful in her own right. It, it's just interesting the the different um, yeah obstacles that both face. Everything's documented their, now. Their social frame. media, right? Yeah, yeah. Hate groups can get formed faster. Blah blah blah. Right. So it's like there's like you can kind of maneuver in a. It's a different world. Obviously, we have more we have more progress. There's been more social change, but at the same time, as you say, like back then, you can maneuver without being called on. I guess right. Sure. Yeah. Something that we left on the cutting room floor is um, Barbette's how he ended up committing suicide at the age of 75 here in Austin. And he was after his prime, after he got sick and fell off and, you know, he was a consultant. Um, One of the films that he was a consultant for is Some Like It Hot with Marilyn Monroe. He taught Jack Lemmon and um, Kurt, what's his name? Tony Curtis, how to do drag in that movie. And so he's he's he was a force, but. At some point, he was forgotten to history. And so he was just so the fact that we're able to pick up his story and say, no, you deserve to be respected. Like Cynthia said, you deserve to have your story told. You know, we're just so happy to have the baton to do that with Cynthia. And then just huge thanks to Wild Sound Festival and the LGBTQ Toronto Film Festival for giving us this platform, because there's so many films out there. So it's just even to carve out a little bit of hey, look at our, look at our film is, is really special. So we want to thank you guys for doing that for us. Yes, oh, thank you. Thank film, you so 100%. much. What did you guys think about the audience? We sent the audience video to you. What did you think of what they had to say about your film? 
Oh, that filled my heart. That was so nice. Um, all the comments, they were very insightful. Um, it, um, you know, the feedback was very helpful as well, um, kind of going forward in, as we enter um, other film festivals as well. So that, that was all very, uh, very, very helpful. Yeah, it was reaffirming to hear exactly what we set out to do last year is exactly what audiences picked up. So we are just so grateful because we've only shown it to family and friends. So of course they're only going to be able to say nice things. Yeah. <laughs> what did you, what did Cynthia think of the film when she first saw it? She told us that she cried a lot when she watched it um, for the first time. Um, I mean, uh, she, she has since day one, I was kind of under the impression that um, when Cynthia joined on that she was going to be learning about Barbet um, while we were learning about Barbet. But for her to come with all this background knowledge, so prepared every single day, such a professional, she, if I, I don't see the documentary being as successful as it is or what we set out to do if it wasn't Cynthia. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it does well. Like I'm on your Instagram page. It seems like you're getting into other festivals as well. Like it's like, it's the, the momentum is building for the film. Fingers crossed. Definitely. Yeah. Fingers crossed. I know Cynthia has a lot of connections with Paramount plus and, you know, being part of the drag race world. So there is hopefully a, a place that this could be seen because it deserves to be seen. She has so much goodwill with fans of drag race she was a miscongeniality and we saw that firsthand so i know a lot of her fans are like we want to see this where can i find it so we're just hoping that it lands somewhere where people can watch it and um, learn about our drag past but also learn about the modern drag queens like cynthia and i don't know we've also talked about maybe teaming up and doing more of these like you know call back to history with modern queens i think there's a series here oh yeah that zach I have definitely talked about and want to pursue if anyone out there is interested. Most yeah, that said, yeah, there's a great proof of concept and then within this film. I know that wasn't your attention, but you can see like that's the thing. Sometimes you see a documentary short, well, I see tons of them, and then they're like, Yeah, that's a that's a great film. And then sometimes you see a film like yours where like, oh my God, there's like so much potential for more storytelling there's more there's more characters there's more history that nobody knows about there's like and like i said then you know you guys know you guys kind of work in the industry time and timing is everything this is this is the perfectly timed film right for for today's world because it's like there's all there's all this resistance to to trans and like it's became a big subject and like you know, like, and there's, there's a lack of information out there or disinformation, right? As you guys know more than anybody, right? You guys work in the news. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Disinformation for sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah now's as time as ever to make it be uh, making people aware of these stories. So I'm just, I, while I have you, cause you guys work in the news. I don't, you don't have to, I'm just so curious about where you guys see the future. It's a kind of a macro question. You don't have to answer. I'm just sort of where you guys see the future because obviously the news has changed drastically from like my generation X upbringing to now where, where basically we used to read newspapers or we used to, we used to watch the news and there used to be an unbiased, uh, no editorial. Now, I'm sorry, this is my little tangent. Now I'm like even read the New York times and New York times has editorials 
like in the news, right? So back then you they, you just give us information like a news story, and then you would just tell us information, then we would come up with our own conclusions. Now it seems like like there's editorials everywhere, like there's no like real news. I'm curious if you guys have have an opinion on what I just said. Sure. So I think with social media um, and just all the different outlets of news or just um, avenues to be able to consume news there is out there, um, you know, every it is very much oversaturated with uh, opinions. Um, I feel like it is a little harder to find the facts. I, I know exactly what you're saying, um, but I think it is more, it's so important for us to be digging and to be finding, you know, more than one source of news or an outlet to uh, be finding your information because yeah, it, it, they, there's just, there's just too much. Yeah. One thing I will say about, you know, I've worked on the network level in Washington, DC, New York city, but being a local news anchor in Austin with Zach as our executive producer and news writer, there's something to be said about local news. You know, when an ice storm happened in, uh, last year in Austin, you know, people were relying on us to let us let them know, like, what what street is open? What's going on? What is the city doing to make sure that we don't lose power? So I will say when it comes to network cable, for sure, people are tired of it. But there's still value in local news, especially here in, in the United States. People want to know what's happening in their neighbor their neighborhood, what the weather is, what the traffic is, and just basic stories of what is in the news right now. So I feel very fortunate that I've worked at that level of network and cable and it is a little bit of a shit show, but you know, <laughs> I, I always, I love the fact that we get to work in local news and really be part of the community. So I, I will say, I think local news is still going strong and I am uh, very proud to be a part of it. Cause I think what you're saying in the national is that there it's almost like it, it, it's about ratings. It's about making money. Right. So they just, they just do stories they know that they're going to grab more eyes to the story. So they're going to talk about Trump and Biden and yeah. not like the, the real minutia of politics and what getting was, what it is getting passed, et cetera, because that's boring. That doesn't create ratings. Right. So. Right. I so think we we're very this, fortunate we to have. Exactly. No. And I'm very fortunate that Barbette got its first entry at the, the local news level and, and it's uh, yeah. yeah. And then now it's, you know, we have this documentary and, much more to come with Barbette for sure. Yeah, and it's in the jump on local. It's about local politics too. That's where that's where the that's where everything gets done, right? That's but it's boring. Nobody <laughs> wants to. Nobody wants that's to. True. I'm being general, of course, but nobody yeah. wants to to uh, list to hear about that. They want to hear the big the big splashes, right? So. Yeah, for sure. But every day we do our job. Zach and I were up this morning doing our <laughs> our job. So, yes. you know, we're still here. There's still journalists that, you know, still stand by the facts and every day we deliver them as best of our abilities. No, yeah. I think you're right too. Cause I, cause I was listening, cause I live in the like Toronto Buffalo area. So I'm listening, watching news and it's, it's the, it's the only new station where like, there's no politics involved into like, there's no, like what side you're on kind of thing. You're just telling the news, you're telling what's going on in the community. And it's not about left or right or about Republican or Democrat. It's just about what's happening in the day. Right. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. All right, guys, thank you so much. Dude. You guys are amazing. I, I was talking your ear off before the podcast. So I appreciate your time. Uh, <laughs> Cause I, you know, I'm not trying to like, I just, it's so fascinating what you guys do too on a daily basis, but 
Thank that you. said, keep making movies because from a from a filmmaking standpoint, this is a really solid put together film. It's like nice, nice little three rhyme storytelling. You got you're able to get the stock footage with the present, which is a hard transition editorially. Like it's a really well done film, like just from top to bottom. So you guys got Thank something. You. So I would I would recommend you guys keep making movies. Zach and so I, yeah, Zach and I have talked about putting together a production house and just start telling yeah. stories that we want to tell. So we're in the process of doing that. Yeah. All right. Let's talk again when you guys make your next film. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's so nice meeting you. Yeah. And enjoy the crazy 2004, uh, 24 year of news. <laughs> Thank <laughs> yes. you so much. One, two, three, four, five, six.